right. Ah, it's wonderful music. It's been a busy week here. Um, I'd like to welcome you here to Wasara Community Church. My name is Bob Pegars, Robert William Pegars Jr., if you want to know my full name. <laughs> I would like to welcome any of you out there in the World Wide Web that uh, we welcome you watching us, but we would prefer to have you here with the body. And if you're a first time person here, I just want to make sure that you feel welcome and talk to one of the elders or the pastor. Our mission and purpose, Washerda Community Church is a gathering group of Christians who exist to give creative and meaningful worship to God and to discover and develop disciples of Jesus Christ. We strive to love God and love others fervently. All right, so now announcements, and this is a long list. <laughs> it is, it was a busy week. Um, there's gonna be some construction happening out front. So the smaller door on the side is gonna be shut down for a while, we're replacing concrete. There's gonna be blowing out of the retaining wall out there and redoing it. So parking and dust and dirt may be an issue for a little while, so just be aware of that. Volunteer Appreciation Luncheon after the service today. Uh, Chris kind of asked if anybody was willing to help put up tables and chairs for the luncheon. It would be greatly appreciated. Come for more leaders meeting this Thursday in the foyer. And they didn't give me any details of time or anything, so that's in the bulletin. Baptism meeting today after the service in the library. And it'll be next week before the community day. The final community days is next Sunday. And watch out, Scott Abaduris is already saying he's taken over the bouncy house. And there's going to be cotton candy and great food. So just please look at your bulletin. The scripture reading for this morning. No, I got it here. Please stand with me. Genesis 4, 3 through 7. In the course of time, Cain brought some fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel brought an offering, fat portions from the first of his flock. The Lord looked in favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is right, it is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. You can be seated. Uh, later this morning, we're changing things up a bit for communion. So we're going to do it after the service, uh, the message. Um, we have an open communion here. And anyone that wants to partake, as long as you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you are right with God, you can partake in communion here. 
I uh, go on hunting trips every fall, and the guys I go hunting with are devout Catholics. So every holy day and every Sunday, we come out of the woods at 7.30 in the morning and go to church. And I sit in that Catholic church, and I can't partake of the communion. So it's caused me to really dig into, at that time, I was kind of angry about it because I am entitled but it kind of made me dig into what it means to have communion and what it's about. So we have to reflect and realize if we're right with God. And I want to use Jesus' words here out of Matthew 5.23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in the front of the offer. Go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. I had that happen to me a few times in my walk that I haven't been right with a brother, my parents, and just my, maybe a co-worker. So I have not partaken every time that it is able to, to do that because I knew I wasn't right with God. So please, just reflect and pray about that this morning as we go through our service before we do communion. With that, thank you. We are glad you're here this morning. If you have your Bibles, you're going to want to turn to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. We may have run out of bulletins this morning. You're out in force this morning. And so is our worship team, right? So I'm on, the pla I'm on the floor. Yeah, I'm on the floor. That's, that means beware. Beware, yeah, yeah. But if you, if you didn't get a bulletin this morning, what I want you to do is um, I've titled this uh, With the Help of Twos. With the Help of Two. In the Bible, there are sometimes numbers have significance. So like seven is a significant number in the Bible. Uh, 40 days and 40 nights, that's a significant number in the Bible. 12, the 12 disciples, the 12 tribes uh, is a significant number in the Bible. Two is a significant number in the Bible. And so as we go through this passage of Scripture this morning, um, it, it will follow to this, to that, to another thing. And that, that will help us as we walk through. We've been going through Jesus' discipleship practices. How did Jesus make disciples? And we need to follow and we need to mimic Jesus. We need to be disciples to make disciples. So in May, we looked at prayer. We looked at how he prayed and that he taught his disciples how to pray. In June, we looked at initiating relationships and being in consistent community. And that's what he was with his discipleship. And as he walked this earth, he initiated relationships with others. Last month, July, we looked at humble service and generous lifestyle. And we talked, he, he teaches on this over and over and over again because his disciples were always arguing, who's the greatest? I'm the greatest. And so he had to combat that and say, wait a minute, no guys, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you need to be last. And not only last in line, but also serving everybody else. 
And we really reiterated how that's still a message of us today, still a message of us today. So today we're going into authentic worship, and then September will be Bible engagement. But I do want to tell you that it's this is going to be great this month. Um, one of our elders, Scott Kingston, is going to be bringing the message next Sunday. And then our director of worship, Aaron Salma, will be bringing the message on, on August 20th. And then if I jump ahead to September, because I'm so excited about this, in September in Bible engagement, one of the great, um, one of the big application points is we're having Michael McKidrick come. He's spoken here before, and he's going to do a weekend seminar called Word Training on how to study, how to learn your Bible, how to study your Bible in a, in a, in a way to grab a hold of it. It's going to be a Friday night and an all-day Saturday seminar and then that Sunday, that Sunday, he'll be preaching that Sunday using the technique, using the technique. That's September 15th and 16th, 15th and 16th. So put that on the calendar. So let's go to Genesis chapter four. But to get context, just for your reminder, Genesis chapter one is all about creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter two is a deeper dive into the way he created man and woman. Genesis chapter 3, we read about the fall. They ate of the fruit, the forbidden fruit. We also learn about the curse that comes upon them, and they're cast out of the garden. But also within the curse, we find out about the promise. The promise is that there is going to be a seed that comes from the woman who will crush the head of the seed that comes from the serpent who will only bruise his heel. Okay, that's in there. And then we get to Genesis chapter four. And the reason I'm going there is this is the first indication, uh, first recorded portion where there is worship of God or a, a dedicated worship of God is in chapter four. But also in chapter four, we see this, the way of sin. So in the midst of seeing, looking at worship, you're going to marry that with, you're going to also see the way of sin in Genesis chapter four. Okay, so let's go to the passage of scripture. It's just as easily as reading through this and starting to see the twos. The first two are the two sons. Adam lay with his wife Eve and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, he brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. So here are the two sons, Cain. His name actually means brought forth. And Abel's name sounds a lot like breathe. So all Hebrew names have a, have a meaning behind them. And I couldn't help but think maybe, maybe Eve was singing, high hopes, we got high hopes, because she had just heard in the curse that she was going to have children. There would be pain in childbirth, but she was going to have children. Um, but she was told that one of the seed would crush the head, the seed of the serpent. So maybe she was thinking this firstborn named Cain, maybe this was the answer to it. So high hopes, I've got high hopes. We go from two sons now to two occupations. Continuing on, now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. So we've got Abel, who is a keeper of the flocks, Cain, who is a worker of the soils. If we want to go a little bit deeper into that, 
Cain then, or Abel, would be a shepherd, and Cain would be a farmer. If you want to go a little bit deeper, Abel is a shepherd, and who is the great shepherd? Jesus. Cain is a farmer, and who was the first farmer? Adam. Adam was cast out of the garden, and he was to toil the, to, to work the soil, to work the soil. If you want to go a little deeper, you can say Cain, Abel is following the way of God, and Cain is following the way of man, following the way of man. Let's keep going here. Now two offerings, two offerings. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought the fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. It it seems that the way that this is written, it really downplays the offering that Cain brought. It just says he brought some of the fruit of the ground, just some. He just gathered up some, whatever was available, and he brought it. That's what he brought. When you lay it up against what he says about Abel's offering, Abel's is the fat portion, so the very prime parts of it, of the very firstborn of his flock. So the very first, the most prized was what was given unto the God there. Okay? So there's a, there's a difference in the way it's written about these two offerings. Here again, we can kind of go back and say, Let's think backwards in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, and they were ashamed, and they saw their nakedness, and what did man do? What did man do? He tried to cover his nakedness with fig leaves. He tried to cover them with plants. And then after God meets with them, what does God do? God kills sacrifices one of his own creation, one of his own animals, and he provides animal skins to cover them. We see the same thing here. What did Cain bring? Cain brought a bloodless sacrifice to God, a plants, plants. What did Abel bring to God? Abel brought a blood sacrifice to God, a blood sacrifice to God. Again, Cain is following the way of man. Abel is following the way of God, following the way of God. Okay, now we get to two responses to this, two responses. It says, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. His face was downcast. So God's response was he had regard for one and no regard for the other. Now, somewhere in this, we don't have it recorded, but somewhere in this, they knew how to bring offerings to God. That instruction must have been given to them that at certain times, because here's both of them doing it, they're both giving offerings unto God. They know how to do this. When, and, and the word and is really important here. It says that God had favor or regard for Abel and his offering. And he had no regard or favor for Cain and his offering. So it was more than what they brought. It was more than the offering itself. It was also them, Abel and his offering. So it was an evaluation of Abel and his heart as he brought this to God. 
not just the offering. I, I, I think that that can happen. We can do all the right things. We can do all the right things religiously in our world. But if our heart is not right, if it's not just the offering, but also our very selves, and that's what God looks at, um, that passage of scripture, God looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. So uh, Cain's response is, it, it literally means he was exceedingly hot. He was mad. He was, man, just furiated over this, that God didn't accept his offering and his countenance falling. His face was downcast. His head was, his head was literally down, you know, not even going to look up. So it's interesting that we get help from the end of the Bible with the start of the Bible. So in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, it says this. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So I want to point out here, the first thing is that Cain disobeyed God's orders. Somewhere along the line, God gave the order that the, per, that the acceptable sacrifice was a blood sacrifice, and Cain didn't do that. He brought something else. He made up what he was going to, well, this is good enough. This is good. We'll give this. This is good enough for God. But God had given instruction in the law that this was the type of sacrifice you were to bring, offering you were to bring before him. So there's, there's really like sin number one is he disobeyed what God had said. Now, we have two questions. Verse 6, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Two questions that are there. And, and we have a questioning God. He questions all the time. Back in chapter nine or chapter 3, verse 9, after they ate the forbidden fruit, but the Lord called out to man, where are you? There's a question. Then in verse 11, and he said, who told you you were naked? And have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And then in verse 13, and then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And we'll see some more of these in this passage of scripture. He's, he's asking questions, but we see a merciful God. A merciful God shows up even though he has been disobeyed upon. Cain disobeyed God and God shows up. And God addresses the issue that's at hand with Cain. Watch what happens next. Now we've got two paths. Two paths. Verse 7. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you, and that's path number one. Path number two. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now, here's a merciful God who gives what to do and declares the outcome. That's the first path. This merciful God says to Cain, wait a minute, if you just do what's right, if you go back and do the right sacrifice and have your heart right before me and obey me instead of disobey me, you, your countenance will be lifted. Your head will come back up. You won't be angry anymore. All you got to do is do the right thing. But then this merciful God also warns of option number two. Option number two is that I don't do it. And he says, if you don't do it, 
beware, sin's crouching at your door. And that sin wants to take a hold of you. That sin wants to encompass every part of your life. It wants to snare you, grab you, and it will, it will take control of you. And that's why you must master over it. And you know how you master over it? Sheer willpower. No, it's, it's not that. No, it's your obedience to God. That's how you master over sin is I stay obedient to my heavenly father. So here's this merciful God giving Cain option number one or option number two. And uh, again, it's, it's interesting that at the start of the Bible, we hear this message. There's two paths that you go all the way to the almost the end of the Bible. And 1 John chapter 1 and verses 8 and 9, it says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's path number two. Then he goes to path number one, if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He says, if you take path number one, this is what will happen. What are you going to do, Cain? Path number one, path number two. I'm a merciful father who has come to you. I didn't, I didn't, I'm, I'm giving you the options. So now we go to two sins, two sins. Look at what he does in verse eight. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So he got him out where he thought no one else could see what was going on. And he killed him. Verse 9, then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? Because God's always asking questions. Where's your brother Abel? And, and Cain says, I don't know. I don't know. And then he replied, am I my brother's keeper? And he probably, it's probably more like, am I my brother's keeper? You know, it's probably more like that, sarcastically kind of thing. Two, two sins that are highlighted here. The first one is that he killed his brother which was harm of another person, okay? Harm, he already disobeyed God. Now he's taking harm upon another person. And then the second one was what's brought out is that he lied. Where's your brother? I don't know. I don't know. He lied to God. And also it's kind of a mocking of God. Am I my brother's keeper? And on top of that, you could even say another sin that's represented there is that there's a disregard for others. He disregarded his brother. Am I my brother's keeper? You know, he wasn't, he wasn't thinking of, of wait, I, I need to care for my brother. No, that was thrown out. But Jesus makes mention of these two sins in the gospel when he's speaking to the religious leaders in, in John chapter 8, verse 44. And you'll hear them here. He says, to the religious leaders, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, there's the second one, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Who is, who is Cain mimicking? He's mimicking Satan. He's mimicking Satan. So we go from two sins now to two voices. Two voices. We're back at the passage. 
the Lord said, what have you done? Another question. What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So here God gives his voice again to Cain, merciful God, who could have just went, (laughs) you know, after he committed that sin of killing his brother. And and a merciful God comes out to him and still continues to call out to him, still questions him kind of thing. And then we hear, he, he mentions Abel's voice. Abel is the righteous one. Abel's the one that brought a a right offering to God, but also his life was right before God, okay? And again, here's where we get help from the, we go to the New Testament. And and this was, this account that we're talking about this morning must have been very, very, very important. This account between Cain and Abel must have been tremendously important that you get all the way to the end of the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 11 is the chapter on the heroes of the faith. And you get to verse three, verse four, verse four, and it says, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commanded as a right, commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith he still speaks, even though he is dead. Even though he is dead. You see how the Old Testament connects to the New Testament there? And, and, and the impact that those who are righteous, and those who are righteous and even are martyred for the faith, their voices still speak. The righteousness of God still speaks even from the ground. That's why when he's coming in to, on Palm Sunday and they're waving the palm branches and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, the religious leaders say, hey, no, quiet them down. They shouldn't be saying what they're saying. And what does Jesus say? If these don't cry out, what would cry out? There, the rocks will cry out. The stones will cry out. Yeah. Okay, we have got two voices. Now, here we go. And... What happens after that? Verse 11, now you are under a curse and driven from the ground. So God is speaking. Now you're driven from the ground, uh, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. So Cain is no longer a farmer now. He's a wanderer on the earth. It's really interesting what Cain does next. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. What is Cain doing there? He's complaining. He's complaining. He just committed murder and he's turning around and this happens a lot in our day. He's turning around and saying, I'm the victim. I'm the victim. Wait a minute. You just killed somebody and you're concerned about your life now? Yeah, now I'm the victim. And he starts complaining. Now, here's a big point. It's not in on sheets or anything. Here's a big point. When there's no confession of sin, most likely it comes out in complaining. 
you will start to complain. If you don't confess sin, you will start to complain. You will start to, 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 to rationalize it in some way, shape, or form, and you'll do the same thing that Cain did. You'll, I'm the victim. I'm the victim. And so I have to check myself at times. If I'm complaining too much, I have to check myself and say, ah, is there some sin crouching at my door that I have not confessed, that I have not taken care of? That I, that I, it, it's starting to consume me. And as it consumes me, it starts coming out of here. It's complaining. So it's interesting what God does next in verse 15. But the Lord said to him, not so. This is interesting when God says not so. Because he thinks somebody's going to kill him. God says, not so. Not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one would who had found him, would kill him. That's amazing. So we know that because God said so, that Cain was not killed by another man. He may have died some other way, uh, natural happenings or whatever kind of thing, but he was not killed by another man because God said so. God said so. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. And Cain lay with his wife, and, became, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. This is the first Enoch. There's a second Enoch. Uh, Cain was then building a city, and he named it after his son Enoch. So he went from a, being a farmer to a wanderer. Now he's a builder. And what, I, what you want, I want you to see here is he has not confessed, but life goes on. Life goes on. He, he has, starts to have children. And we'll see more that comes out of this. To Enoch was born, born Irad, and Irad was the father of Mehajal, and Mehajal was the father of Methushel, and Methushel was the father of Lamech. Then it says Lamech married two women. Urk. Two wives. Some are just trying to get one wife. Yeah, he's got two. What is Lamech doing? He's going against the standard God set. If we go back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, for this reason, a man, single, will leave his father and mother, single, single, and be united to his wife, single, and they will become one flesh. That is God's standard. That's what God ordained. That's what God said the way it is to be. And so we get over in chapter 4 and Lamech, has two wives. What is he doing? He's disobeying God. Doesn't this sound familiar? Doesn't this sound familiar? So Lamech had two, two women named uh, Adal and the other named Zillah. I, every time I say that, I think of Godzilla. But Zillah, Adal gave birth to Jabal, and he was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock. So now we got a builder, and now we got livestock, the livestock trade that's going on. His brother was named Jubal, and he was the father of all who played the harp and the flute. So now we've got the arts. The arts have come into play into this world. And then Zillah gave, also had a son, Tubal Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Now we have machinery and tools. So the whole point here is, here's this sin. It's, it hasn't been confessed, but life goes on, and all these things are developing 
We call that common grace. It's the common grace of God, not the saving grace, but the common grace of God that we, we've been given the breath to breathe and to live our lives in this, this beautiful creation that he has given to us that's there. And then it says, um, and, and out of, uh, and Tabal Cain's sister was Namal, and Lamech said to his wives, now here's, listen to the pride. Adal and Zella, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my voice. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. Now, now, this could be the same person, or it could be two separate people that now he has killed for just wounding him. I mean, they, they, and he, he, he goes to the nth degree and kills them. And then it says, if Cain is avenged, this is Lamech still speaking, if Cain is avenged seven times, if, if God's uh, vengeance comes upon anybody that would touch Cain seven times, then Lamech is 77 times. You hear the pride? Yeah, if it, I, I'm greater than Cain. I'm greater than Cain. Now, um, I want to go to 1 Peter because we studied 1 Peter, 1 and 2 Peter. I always seem to keep going back there, but 1 Peter 5.5, 5, he's giving instruction to young men. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So what do we see here? We see another generation. This is about five, six generations in now. And, and which direction are they going? The way of man or the way of God? They're going the way of man. And this will continue on and on and on and on until you get to know in the flood. And that's why it's, it's such an evil place because they are following the way of man rather than following the way of God. But the passage does not end there. I am thankful we have two people. Verse 25, Adam lay with his wife again and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. We have a Seth. Where's Seth? Where is Seth? There he is over there. Seth, we have a Seth. Birth to a son, named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel, since Cain killed him. Seth also had a son and named him Enosh. Now here's the part. At that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. He wants you to see the contrast between these people. You just read about the uh, Cain and his line and how evil it was getting. But then here's this other side, that Seth, the word means granted, that there's still a righteousness that remains. And that righteousness that is worshiping God, is calling out to the Lord, is proclaiming who he is. So I call out to you this morning, which way are you going? In Jude chapter 11, verse 1, verse 11a, it says, uh, they have gone the way of Cain. And I think it just puts it right out there. Which way are you going? Are you going the way of Cain, following after man? Or are you going the way of Abel, someone who is following after God? So let me give you four points here. Genuine worship is more than what you do. I hope that comes out in this passage of Scripture. It's not just what they brought. 
but he also looked at themselves. That, that I can do all the right things and I can come to church every Sunday and I can do all the, and I can put money in the plate and I can do all this, and I can sing and everything else. But he also looks at you in your heart. Second one, genuine worship requires obedience. Obedience. We need to obey what God says. It's, it's awful hard to have genuine worship if we're not being obedient to God. So it really makes you look and say, is there something, number three, unresolved sin hinders genuine worship. If there's sin crouching at the door, if there's unresolved sin, unconfessed sin, it's going gonna, it's gonna to possess your life. Your, your, your life is going to be consumed by it. And genuine worship will not happen. But you know the thing to do. Because your merciful God who demands worship, says to you, you know, if you just do the right thing, if you come with the right attitude, if you come with a confessed heart, if you come repentant unto me, your countenance will lift up and you'll be singing unto me with a genuineness that's there. And then unresolved sin, of course, grows and spreads. It grows and spreads. In that passage of scripture, I listed out like nine different sins. Boom, 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 boom. It was growing but it also started to spread. Unresolved sin spreads to others. It has an impact on other people's lives. So we will never really worship him until our hearts are laid bare and we say, Lord, there's a sin in my life that I need to confess today. Please forgive me. And we know if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. Forgive us of our sins. So each month we kind of like, what are some application points? First one is check your heart. Check your heart. Is my heart right with the Lord? Number two, take inventory of your life with worship in mind. You got all these aspects of your life. And when you look at all of the aspects of your life, in those aspects of your life, is the worship of God coming out of that? So my work, my school, my relationships, my hobbies, and everything, is worship, am I, am I doing those things in a way that's worshipful unto God? Number three is we've been having prayer weeks here. The next one is scheduled August 28th through September 1st. And I encourage you to be a part of that. It's a time to come into the sanctuary uh, in the morning or in the evenings and just spend some time with the Lord. Spend some time with the Lord. Number four, attend corporate and private worship. You knew I was going to say that one, didn't you? Yeah. But, but make it a point to be with God's people on a regular basis to lift up his name. And this is a, this is a precious time that we have every, every week that we gather together. But also, but also, make sure to have private worship. Make sure to get those times alone with your Bible and, and maybe with a song list or, or something like that and get alone with God at times and, and just talk to him and, and, and make that a part of your daily life. You know, we get away from those things. And sometimes it, they get set aside. Even like morning worship service gets set aside. You know what the, the average is now for a regular attender to come to church? It's, it's under two times a month. It is. Yeah, it's and, and you go wow, but but yeah, we we're we have moved, and sometimes we, we need to push to get moved back, you know. 
And then the last one, include elements of worship in your gatherings. We're really encouraging you as brothers and sisters of Christ to have these little gatherings that you have. You invite somebody over to dinner and stuff like that They're in, from the church, and you have those gatherings there together. Well, make part of the preparation of that gathering. Um, we need to make sure that we pray together. We need to make sure that we ask, are there any prayer concerns that you have that we can pray together before you leave? Or um, what are we going to talk about? Let's make sure that we talk about maybe something that we read in the Bible this week. Let's make sure to make that a part of our time that we are, we are together. Even if you get adventurous, maybe, maybe you sing a song. Maybe there's a little chorus that you sing together. Why? Because you're, you're brother and sister in Christ. And so you make that a point this month that when you gather in these little gatherings that you have, to say, how do, we, how do we make sure that there's a worship of God that happens here? Usually you have to plan it. It just doesn't come naturally at first. Usually you have to plan it to say, okay, we're going to do this during this time. So worship team, come on up. We are going to move into uh, what Bob talked about earlier was in the scriptures, Jesus says, there's something I want my disciples to do uh, until I return. And that is to take the bread and the cup. And uh, it is a time to really search your heart. So I'll let Bob take it from there. Is there anyone who did not receive elements that would like elements? Put your hand up. I see a hand all the way over here and there's some other hands. And um, the ushers will be Getting to you on this side, Neville, over here. Thank you. Yeah, just put your hand up. And thank you, Bob. Thank you, Adam, for your message. Oh, I tell you, I wear my emotions on my sleeves. <laughs> so if you guys feel I'm nervous, maybe it's because I've got something that really is eating at my heart, and my heart may be breaking for something. So I, I want you to know that. That's, that's me. Um, and as far as two wives, that would be living with Godzilla. This week, um, I walked in this morning, and somebody shared something with me, and, and it kind of laid it on my heart, and I'll, I'm going to say it just because this man shared with me that there was a Christian man down in Watertown that got arrested yesterday, I think it was, because he was protesting against um, a drag queen parade. So please lift that up in your prayers. And if you want to look it up, look it up. I don't know the details, so please give me grace on that. Yeah. I we're fighting against Satan. He wants us. He wants our souls. He wants our, our, our lives because he wins them. Francine and I had a great conversation this week about communion um, and what it means. And she was raised Catholic, so it was kind of enlightening. Here at WCC, we have open communion and invite you all to partake as long as you are believers of Jesus Christ and you are right with God. I think we heard that in our message this morning. At times, I've had to reflect that I can't partake. So please, this is a personal choice. 
Right now, I'd like to pray and prepare for communion. So please take a few moments and lay out your prayers to God that may help you in your walk and things that may be keeping you from communion. And then I'll pray and then we'll partake. Almighty God, I pray that you come into our hearts, you break down the walls and the barriers, you open up lines of communication for us. Help us to understand what this truly means to us and the gift that it is to us. In Jesus' name. Good thing I brought my own. Out of 1 Corinthians 11, it tells us, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, I thank you hanging on the cross and that your bones were broken and your blood was shed for me. So, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is a cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim God's death until he comes. Almighty God, I just thank you for this time, the message this morning, that we can interact with you personally every day through prayer, Bible study, and that we use your words to guide us in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. And Aaron's going to close out the service with the music, and uh, please have a godly and blessed week. In Jesus' name. Last admonishment from me this morning. If you sense that there's sin crouching at your door, take care of it. Take care of it. The merciful God is pointing that out to you so that you can do the right thing and confess it to him and confess it to him, and he'll give you forgiveness of that. So go in peace. Have a great day. God bless you all.